Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 299 being recorded on Tuesday, November 29th. 2022, the day after Cyber Monday. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Jason, it wouldn't be a delicious Turkey Five if we didn't have our regular holiday guest, Rob Garfon. Rob is the vice president and general manager, uh, I think his title may be longer than yours, of retail at Salesforce. Let's see, that's two, four, seven. That's like eight words, so you need to get to work. Uh, this is Rob's fourth appearance on the Jason Scott Show. He was here for episode 110, 249, 282, and back for number four here uh, at episode 299. Rob, welcome back. Gentlemen, it is such a pleasure to join you today. I can't wait to talk about Cyber Week. It wouldn't be us every week if we weren't talking to you, Rob. And as a, I feel like a special bonus for me, two of the three people on this podcast have received a 10 out of 10 rating from Room Raider. Hmm. Who could that be? Uh, well, I know you did because you have a sweet pillow that shows it off. And I, I think, I feel like you got up before me. I think so. You know, I got to tell a really funny story quickly if I can. Um, I was doing early on in the pandemic a webinar. I think it was probably with, business insider and they brought like a staging expert on the line and i thought i had the best background i had like a something like my wife got me for my 40th birthday a long time ago by the way a like 1910 or 1920 national cash register in the background i felt all good about that and she totally blew up my room and thankfully she did because uh i turned out on top with a 10 out of 10 oh professional assisted now i feel i'm slightly less impressed I know I probably shouldn't have given that away, but I felt pretty cool about it. Jason had a team of ten people at Publicis set his up, so don't 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 listen to him. I bet, and he probably gets like product placement dollars as well as a influencer for all the cool things he has in the background. And they came and, in from France. And side note on that: uh, the jury's out on whether giant marketing holding companies can actually help your sales, but they can for sure help you win awards. Congratulations. We're well, waiting Rob, for you, Scott, the trifecta. Anyways, we digress. <laughs> well, yeah, some of us, uh, I guess my day job, I'm like, I don't know, I'm not really uh, working on my room. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you were about to say you were actually working, weren't you? Yeah, we get it. We get it. Well, yeah. The, uh, so uh, in case, even though this is your fourth time around, let's, uh, there's definitely, we're, we always pick up millions of new listeners. So uh, let's, if you could recap the data that you guys have at Salesforce, where it comes from, and then... You know, we're recording this the day after Cyber Monday. You've got some hot, delicious, fresh data. We'll jump in after you kind of give the the high-level overview in, in case people aren't aware. I can't wait. I'm loving it. We've been swimming through this data for a better part of a week. Can't wait to share it with your crowd, your audience. Yeah, so uh, by way of introduction, again, Rob Garf here uh, with Salesforce. I came to Salesforce by way of the Demand War acquisition, which is about six years ago. And I spent five years prior at Demand where I'm the GM for retail. What that means is I oversee our product and solution strategy along with our industry insights team. And that's what gives me the great pleasure of talking Cyber Week and actually providing insights and intelligence for our customers all year long. 
And the way we do that is all the data that flows through the platform, we bubble that up. We obviously strip out all PII data. And in its aggregate form, billions of billion shoppers, it gives us an amazing read and pulse on the industry. And we publish that throughout Cyber Week on our Shopping Insights HQ. It's an interactive dashboard built on Tableau. And it really allows our customers, the broader industry, to understand what's going on in digital and be able to benchmark themselves. Very cool. Thanks for that summary. Um, so let's start with the kind of the elephant in the the room. I get this question and, and Jason does a lot as well. You know, I'm a CNBC junkie and all they talk about is inflation and recession. So so anything kind of in the macroeconomics showing up in the data that, that you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to understand this holiday, while the global numbers look really promising, much of that, if not all of that growth was concentrated in the US. There's a bunch of headwinds happening for various reasons across Europe and UK, along with Australia and New Zealand. But the US consumer was really happy this cyber week. And we'll talk about the data. But yeah, in terms of the inflation, our shopping index, which the Shopping Insights HQ is built off of, um, has been showing an average selling price increase for the last seven quarters. And that's been pretty steady. And so um, that's definitely played a key role in this holiday season in that much, if not all of the growth that we're seeing is driven by increased pricing, not necessarily people buying more product. And I think that's a really important distinction. Now, what I will say, and I'm happy to say this in the first time, we're seeing a leveling off of that inflation globally over Cyber Week. It was only, I say only, a 3% increase, which is promising um, as we're looking forward to the new year. Yeah, I think it's crested at least the macroeconomic at around 10%. So so three is three is uh you know pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's promising. Yeah. And then that ASP increase is, um, does that account for mix shifts? So like, uh, you know, if people buy more luxury goods then or, you know, and then another segment goes value, could that factor into that ASP or are you normalized for that in some way? We normalize for that because to your point, obviously average order value for luxury versus value segments are going to be different, but we really normalize that, look at it across the board. And so it's taking into account of the various factors based on segments. Yeah. And uh, as, as the resident Debbie Downer, um, it's, we always want to have simple sound bites to describe this weekend. Like all of these trends to me are super complicated because you just highlighted the conflicting trend that like we have inflation, goods are costing more slash um, we're probably going to talk about discounting later to help goose holiday sales, which of course brings prices down. And when people are, nervous about the economy, they shift to more needs, which have higher inflation than the wants. And uh, it, it seems when you really dive into it, it's really complicated to kind of inflation seems different on online versus offline and category by category. Yeah, it is complex. You're right. There's not a single kind of soundbite answer. Although if we stay on long enough, I'm sure I'll come up with one or two. <laughs> but um, you know, you're right in terms of the discount, right? So if I dive into that for a sec, Jason, to put a little color around it, we saw for the week in the U.S., there was a 30% average discount rate. Globally, it was 27%. And we can talk about how that looks year over year and how it looked 
compared to 2019. But even with those large discounts, and by the way, those are large discounts compared to any normal day, like during the year, we're looking at 15, 16% discount rate. So it's, you know, in the double of what we typically see. Um, the reality is, the reality is people are still paying more for a particular product than they were two years ago. So people are feeling really good. Obviously, the average is 30 in the US, but we all saw over the last couple of days, 40%, 50%, even yesterday, 60% in the massive amount of emails that I got trying to push and really um, incentivize people to actually click the buy button. So my point here, though, is even with these high discount rates, people are still spending more for a particular product than they did a couple of years ago. Yeah, I like to say uh, 40% off is the new 30% off for this holiday. Yeah, I mean, my father was in retail growing up, so we would get discounts at the various apparel and footwear companies he worked for. And he always would joke that my mother would save us so much money, we're going to go broke. <laughs> uh, I love that. Uh, I, we might come back to discounting, but I do want to zoom out for just a second. Yeah, sure. Uh, traditionally, Black Friday is the official heart uh, start of the holiday shopping season here in the U.S., um, is that even true anymore? Well, certainly retailers don't want that to be true. They want it, obviously, to be pulled earlier and earlier in the season. And that's another storyline that we've seen here. You know, we actually saw a little bit of holiday happen over the summer. Don't forget, and I know you two wouldn't, of Amazon Prime Day or the first Amazon Prime Day. And for those retailers not named Amazon, we saw a 21% year-over-year increase looking at the second week of July compared to the second week of July 2021. So there was a little bit, very little pull forward. And then, of course, um, people, meaning retailers, brands wanted to take advantage of the halo effect of the second prime day that happened in October. And once again, we saw a little bit of a bump. Interestingly enough, some of the larger retailers front-ended that with weekend sales, and that pulled a lot of growth during that time, meaning the weekend before Prime Day in October. But the reality, Jason, after a couple of years of spreading out of that demand earlier and earlier for various reasons, which we can talk about, there was so much of a concentration that happened over Cyber Week, meaning, and based on our data, the pulling forward of the couple of percentage points to earlier in November really were taken back this year and were put back in Cyber Week. And it all came down to discounts. It all came down to consumers being really patient, not seeing what they liked in terms of the lackluster deals and waiting for Cyber Week, which really contributed some very positive growth, particularly in the U.S. Yeah, it's it's super interesting because as you pointed out, Amazon added a second sale day, which I think they technically don't call Prime Day, right? It's like Prime Early Access Day. Right, right, um, right. Get behind then, the velvet rope and be able to get some early deals. Exactly. And Walmart, Target, and others all counter-programmed against that with big sales. Um, but it, uh, it, it kind of feels like all that got defeated by the fact that Consumers are well aware that the discounts are going to be deep this year, and it, it almost seems like they, they may have decided to wait for deeper discounts. Yeah, yeah. We call this, and I've said it before on the show, but I got to do it, right? It's an annual tradition. Discount chicken, right? The idea that retailers go into the holiday season with a really well-thought-out plan for their promotional calendar, and by the first weekend, they typically rip it up and call an audible 
and really try to chase the deals. And, you know, that's what happened this year, contrary or in contrast to last year. If you remember, I know you do, gentlemen, um, because you track this closer than anyone. You know, there were inventory scarcity issues. There was high demand. So retailers didn't feel compelled to discount. They didn't. We saw the lowest discount rates in recent history last year. And so retailers thought that the consumer was reprogrammed, reconditioned, and they would buy earlier. The problem was the retailers didn't come to the table with the biggest discounts. Again, discount chicken. The consumers are going to wait it out and wait for that biggest and best deal. And finally, the retailers came to the table during Cyber Week and the consumers answered in kind. You know, again, last year was probably the first year that retailers won the game of discount chicken. Uh, this year, consumers, you know, fought with their leverage and weight, and they ended up winning and got some really good deals. Again, 30% discount rate in the US over the course of Thanksgiving. It really peaked at Black Friday um, with 31% in the US. So they really finally came to the table. Wow. How, um, you know, we were reading all about last year, all those cargo ships were sending off the the coast of uh, Long Beach or whatever it is. And then, you know, I've heard a lot of retailers in their commentary talk about being overstocked. Um, do you think do you think that played a role in these big discounts? It's just retailers are just kind of we got to really clear the shelves out kind of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, both in the store and in warehouse space, um, they got spooked a little bit. Right. In terms of them waiting it out didn't quite work. And so the retailers really had to step up. Scott, to your point, um, they don't want to go into the new year with too much inventory. They really needed to free up both inventory and cash. Now, of course, they did that at the fate of margin, right? Because you see, I don't care how great your margin is. All right, some probably are that great, particularly in the luxury segment, but 50, 60, 70% discount. Or, you know, I saw some, it was 50%. Oh, and by the way, we'll give you an extra 10% just to make it sound like they weren't really giving away everything. But the reality is really margin took a hit because of the deeper discounts that retailers just had to do. And to your point, they have to free up both the inventory, the shelf space, and the cash. Yeah, I think even making it worse, I've had a number of clients come to me and say, hey, we've got too much inventory, but even worse, it's the wrong inventory. Uh, that like a lot of that stuff that we ordered for mid-year, all the home improvement and outdoor furniture stuff that they were trying to get for last year is all in stock now. And so like, even further in incentivizing uh, retailers to discount. Yeah. Yeah. And I give credit to some of the big box players who took a hit over the summer, recognizing they, to your point, Jason, had the wrong inventory and uh, they did something about it. They tried to clear it out earlier. They were public about it and they took a hit, but I think they're going to come back strong. You know, it's interesting. I was an analyst back in the day and um, one of our focus was on supply chain. AMR Research was known for supply chain, got acquired by Gartner for their supply chain and industries practice. And, um, you know, always tracked the gentleman, how Lee, who, you know, came up with the bullwhip effect, the idea that, you know, any shock in the supply chain will just have this ripple effect that could last quite some time. I got it conceptually, heard some examples of it, but we've been living that over the last couple of years, you know, going from inventory scarcity, buyers getting really excited, thinking the demand would really 
keep steady. And then when finally, to your point, Scott, it came through the port of LA, got through the domestic supply chain, it was the wrong product or enough people had bought, you know, a new monitor or TV or a desk or some cool background to get, you know, 10 out of 10 on Roomerator and the demand wasn't there anymore. So you're right. I mean, some of the things in terms of replenishable products, sure, they have a long shelf life, they have a long term, but some don't, they have an expiration date. And retailers are struggling with that. And certainly coming back around, it is driving the discount strategy. It's not over either. We'll continue to see probably not the same heightened levels. But now that we have an extended holiday season because of uh, creative fulfillment options, we'll see some more discounts. It's not the end of it. Yeah, that, that's a good segue into kind of talking about the shape of the holiday. So so last year, sounds like you saw the data. We started a bit earlier and maybe um, maybe we kind of ended you know around after the turkey five or, or kind of came off a cliff there. Seems like this year consumers waited. They won discount chicken, and then we've had a robust um, turkey five. Um, you know, maybe walk us through the days. We've talked a little bit about Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Anything else you want to hit there? And then what do you think happens kind of post? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to round it out, actually, and just give the perspective for the entire shape, as you talked about, the anatomy of the season, as a bunch of my customers talk about, um, there were some kind of pretty nervous people in the industry coming out of the first two weeks of November. The last two weeks of October and the first two weeks of November, um, you know, sales kind of were dreary. We saw a negative 7% during that time. Again, a little bit of a spike the first week in October because of Prime Day. And then it really um, leveled off quite dramatically to 7% decline globally. And so uh, we're really worried, is this a trend? Is this going to continue? And really what it told us is that Cyber Week becomes back into focus again. People were willing to wait. People were willing to be patient waiting for those deals. Um, You know what we saw for Cyber Week with, again, a higher concentration, probably around um, 25% of all digital sales will be when it's all said and done over the course of Cyber Week. And the way we look at it at Salesforce is uh, the Tuesday before American Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday. So we put another two days in it just to make it a full week, but we can slice and dice it any way you want, especially on the dashboard via Tableau on our Shopping Insights um, HQ. But for the overall Cyber Week, uh, for US, we saw 9% growth. And for global, we saw 2% growth. That again, as you can tell, because of the global number, largely buoyed by US sales. Black Friday, really strong US. We saw 12% um, in the US and we saw 3.5% growth globally. That's Black Friday. Cyber Monday, uh, we saw 8% growth in US and we saw 4% growth globally. So very strong. Um, what we also saw, by the way, is healthy traffic. We even saw healthy traffic earlier in the season. So what that told us is people were interested. They showed intent to buy, but they weren't given the right incentive to actually purchase. So, you know, there's a demand, there's a need, there's a want earlier in the season because of the traffic we saw. That traffic stayed pretty steady, both US and globally uh, throughout the week as well. And obviously that turned into higher conversion rate because people were actually now buying. 
Cool. And then um, from your data, do you think Cyber Monday was the biggest day we've ever had? Is Do you guys pontificate on that? Yeah, we do. We do. We actually saw a turn of the corner about three or four years ago where Black mm-hmm. Friday digitally became the largest day. And really what that was primarily driven by, many retailers were actually shuttering their doors both on Thanksgiving, either part of or all of Black Friday, and they were encouraging people to shop online. That was a great altruistic message from a brand perspective, but it was also great you know, to actually give their workforce some time off as well. And so, and obviously drive traffic towards digital while providing great deals online. The other piece to it that really helped drive that change was mobile. Uh, Mm -hmm. Really the huge increase in mobile. We saw mobile traffic this year um, through the course of Cyber Week uh, account for about 79% of all traffic. And so people were on the go. It was more accessible and they either did more of their shopping during Black Friday or actually what we started to see, and it really came into focus this year, buying on the couch in the later days after Thanksgiving meal in the U.S. So people kind of got sick of their family, needed to digest a little, watch football, and they took mm-hmm. out their phone. You know, they either got distracted or, I don't know, if you're a marketer, inspired uh, by something they saw <laughs> on their phone and they started shopping. So uh, that's my long way of saying we actually see Black Friday have a higher concentration, a bigger overall sales volume for online than Cyber Monday. Interesting. Okay. And then um, there used to be this big disparity between mobile traffic and sales. So it used to be if you had 80% traffic, you could knock that in more than half. Or, or Is that number closed in? Do you guys track that? We do. We do. Yeah, it hovers around 60% of okay. uh, orders. And that has progressively gone up, up until about how long have we been going through this pandemic? Up until a pandemic. Because what happened yeah. is people were actually at home. They weren't visiting their friends and family. They weren't as much on the go. So they actually went to their computer during Thanksgiving. You know, for me, I spent the last couple of years out by my fire pit and, uh, you know, came in from the cold and went to my computer instead of my phone uh, to check out the latest deals on Thanksgiving or, you know, the day after to Black Friday. Um, so we did see a dip the last couple years in mobile because people were at home, but it spiked back up this year, both traffic and orders. And I give, you know, retailers credit because, and I know Jason, you spent a lot of time with your customers thinking about customer experience and design and really breaking down that friction between inspiration and purchase. You know, retailers are getting much better at making it easier to actually not only find the product they want on their phone, but make that purchase. Okay, so that brings us up to Cyber Monday. And then um, you kind of hinted that you think there'll be some more discounting. Seems like if consumers won retail chicken, you can't you can't kind of go off of it, right? So if you've got this inventory left, you're going to have to either discount further or at least keep the discounts on. Is, is that what you think is going to happen? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we typically see a little bit of a dip coming off of Cyber Week to just retailers take a breath, analyze what they have, what they did, how their margin looks, and then get back at it a little bit. But we we are going to see perhaps not higher rates because um, retailers, I'm sorry, consumers are getting really 
crafty around price adjustments. Um, so it's not only dipping further into their margin, but it's creating more operational expenses and headaches as well for the retailer. And so I don't necessarily anticipate higher discount rates, but a steady drumbeat of discounts, particularly those retailers that have physical stores and can extend the shipping cutoff window by offering store fulfillment options. So you'll see um, you know, a real leaning into discounts, promotion, overall, just attracting people. Hey, you haven't missed the window yet. You can get that last gift for your cousin or uncle or family member. And oh, by the way, you don't have to pay for it. And you're more guaranteed to get it because you can pick it up in and around the store or we'll get it to you through some sort of last mile delivery that is shipped from the store. Um, I think one takeaway is, you know, so Jason's hearing there's some concerns about revenue and stuff. And then, you know, I'm hearing discounting could be a rough earnings season as we kind of come out of the holiday if uh, all this discounting is going on. But at least I guess they'll start the year kind of having flushed out all this massive inventory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, coming into this year, we do our predictions all the way back in June. We kind of look at the data, what we've seen, what the storylines are and help start craft the narrative uh, we were big partners in that a couple of years ago where you coined ship again. And, you know, we were both early on seeing, man, there's some issues with the surge going on and the capacity issues with the couriers. But, um, you know, one of those storylines or the main storyline just uh, last June was, and here comes your uh, soundbite. So get ready. Are you ready? Drumbeat. I'm ready. Uh, I just set way too high expectations. Sorry about that. But, uh, you know, we're really concerned that margin will be the Grinch that steals Christmas. And to your point, we don't see that until the February timeframe after the retailers close out their fiscal year and start reporting. Again, some retailers got ahead of it and cautioned what this is going to look like. But I'm I'm anticipating that will be a key storyline come February, Scott. All the who's in Whoville love profits a lot. Oh, nice. I like it. I like it. And we haven't even talked about returns yet, right? Because that's, uh, I know that's one of Jason's favorite topics. That's going to certainly come into play as well as we talk about margin. You guys are bringing me down. I know. Uh, And and I actually, I'm afraid I might want to bring us down even more because I I would say, like, I came into this holiday season thinking, hey, top line is going to be okay because of inflation, uh, because of, you know, pent up demand, a variety of things. But that, you know, the story was going to be about profits, as you guys just perfectly laid out. Um, and then, you know, the cyber weekend happened and Rob's been on every news program I've watched for the for the last 12 hours. Um, and, you know, they're all citing these like Salesforce vanity stats, right? That like, oh, my gosh, e-commerce was higher than it's ever been before, um, which is not shocking, right? Like. Um, uh, and then the NRF came out with a, uh, a, a study today. More people went shopping this weekend than ever before, which again, uh, there are more people in the United States than ever before. So that's not, (laughs) that's not shocking. I have, uh, in talking with retailers, they're more guarded. Like they all did scenario planning for like sort of good, good weekends and bad weekends. And they're all like talking about being on the low end of those scenario plannings. I know you have great data for the online um, portion of spending, but you know, 74-ish percent of all the spending is in stores. I know you have some signals for the in-store sales, but do you 
Like, are you confident that this was a really strong Turkey Five? I'm I'm not clear if it was or wasn't. Yeah, I think it remains to be seen if we're defining it as Jason. We should be retail in totality, and the fact that a vast majority of sales still happen in the physical store, right? And um, we're seeing that traffic is up, but oh, by the way, it was down the last couple of years. So what's that comparison set, right? Is it actually up from 2018 or 2019? I'm not convinced it necessarily is. And so we don't track that, but we look at smart people like you, Jason and Scott and some other friends in the industry and the, the word on literally the street or the mall or whatever, strip center, anyways, I digress, um, <laughs> is that uh, it was the physical traffic a bit lighter. And so um, we can say that also online sales were strong, but I also, to your point, want to temper that by if somebody or a retailer was reading this in almost any country in Europe, they probably wouldn't believe that headline, right? Because it just, um, you know, they've been facing headwinds not only during Cyber Week for the better part of this year. And so um, most categories saw negative growth throughout Europe. You know, you can see the data specifically by each country on our dashboard. And so it, to your point earlier, Jason, it's not a soundbite that will be able to tell you the entire story, right? And so it was positive. I'm feeling pretty good about the sales and, you know, the retailers I'm talking to who were forecasting closer to fat, flat, not fat, flat um, growth were pretty happy. Um, But I think it still remains to be seen in terms of stores, what that looks like, margin, what that's going to look like. And if you're a global brand, how does it look in totality? Yeah, for sure. Um, Side note, I'm going to make a prediction. Most of the good store traffic data is about three days lag. So we don't have it yet. But I think what I think you called it exactly right. I think store traffic is going to be up from last year, but still below 2019 levels. Um, and what's confusing it is there's a few pockets. There's a few A malls that did really well this weekend, as they always do. And so I think journalists went to these A malls and saw a bunch of people and they, you know, they're talking about how it was a robust in store holiday. But uh, I, I, I am going to be eager to see that, that store data, which brings me to my next question. Uh, a lot of people use your tool set for BOPUS. So I'm imagining, uh, that, that you got to see, um, some of the trends in BOPUS and like, did that reveal anything in terms of people that might be going to store to pick up orders? Yeah, I think that's interesting. And it also talks about Jason, like, what are the new metrics given this new world? Like, do BOPUS or curbside orders count as traffic? I don't know. You know, the consumer's coming close to the store or they're going to the pickup area within the store. Um, in many cases, they buy more products. So I think, again, if you're weaving in those stats, it helps definitely the online traffic. Um, I don't think, by the way, many retailers are looking at it that way just yet. And I think it's an important factor to consider. But to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I think um, BOPIS and creative fulfillment options from the store are helping elevate traffic and driving people to brick and mortar. Based on our data, what we saw is BOPIS usage over through, um, we'll call it Cyber Weekend, uh, we saw close to 10% 
growth compared to earlier in the holiday season. What's super interesting, what we typically see is the lead up to a big holiday. Like for instance, we looked at Halloween. For the two days leading up to Halloween, we actually saw double the amount of BOPIS orders because people realized they didn't get the costume or the candy or whatever other ornaments they needed. And they knew it wouldn't get shipped in time. They also wanted to make sure it would be available if they actually purchased it. And they did BOPIS. The other really interesting thing is throughout Cyber Week, and again, we look at that for the full seven days, but even no matter how we slice it, it's high. What we saw is, and this is US specifically, by the way, Retailers that had BOPIS, they offered it, grew online revenue by 38% more than those without this creative fulfillment option. And so it does speak to um, how important the store is to your digital business, right? So, you know, another stat, just why why not? I'm on a roll um, that I'll say is our research shows that 60% of digital orders are influenced by the physical store, whether that's where demand is being generated or demand is being fulfilled. In this case, it's being fulfilled because somebody's buying it from the comfort of their own home and it's convenient and they're able to pick it up with the confidence that the product would actually be there. So um, again, the new rules of you know both how do you provide the incentives to the store associate, how their role is changing and how you measure effectiveness because of such the interplay between digital and physical is super interesting to be a part of. Yeah, that to me, I saw that stat about the BOPUS, um, uh, retailers that are offering BOPUS outperforming retailers that don't. And that was super interesting and kind of tragic, Rob, because I don't know if you've noticed this, but so BOPUS isn't universally offered by all retailers. More retailers were offering BOPUS last year than this year. Like everybody scrambled in the pandemic to come up with some version of BOPUS. And a number of them turned it off either because they didn't have a robust implementation or they couldn't hire enough labor this year to support it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's less about a technology project or initiative. And it is, to your point, it's about operations. And, um, you know, part of the reason people turned it off, you mentioned some of them, is they couldn't get down the operational efficiency. We're seeing more retailers lean into automation and more productivity to really refine their fulfillment operations. And it's not easy. It's not just about having the right amount of labor, but it's having them focused on the right tasks based on the time of day and what the priorities are. And that's not easy to do um, at all, especially you know when... Consumers are standing right in front of the associate and the associate is, you know, tasked with having to make a call. Do they fulfill this BOPIS order because they have to within 15 minutes or do they serve the consumer who explicitly came in the store because they wanted to be in a physical space and talk to a human and get some knowledgeable service? So it's uh, my long way of saying it's not easy those retailers that have been able to move from scrappy, which many did, to scale, really thinking about how to automate some of the processes, how to really focus on efficiency and productivity will be winners because they're not only helping with loyalty, serving the consumers who want to shop that way, but also thinking about the margin pressures they're feeling otherwise. 
Yeah, that, that, uh, totally agree. Um, and I can definitively answer one thing. Uh, I rarely, uh, I'm almost always guessing, but in terms of, uh, whether BOPUS counts as store traffic or not, I have no idea whether it should count or not, or whether retailers would like it to count or not, but I can tell you when it does and doesn't count. Um, most retailers in America have a device on their front door that counts how many people walk in the store and it excludes employees. And so two companies sell those devices, uh, Sensormatic and Retail Next, and they both publish anonymous store traffic data. So if you see data from either of those companies, it did not include BOPUS. But Placer AI is the third company that provides that data, and they use the GPS in the consumer's phone, which does count BOPUS. <laughs> Yeah. So, so in three days, you're going to see data from all three of those companies and it's not going to agree. And that is why. That's super interesting. I mean, that right there, that is the best nugget of the last however long we've been talking. That's super six interesting. Hours. There, it feels like it. I could talk another six though. That's the fun part. Um, but that's Jason, that's super interesting. And that's the type of data, you know, it typically you use whichever one helps tell the story you want, but understanding the differences like you just dissected is so important. Cool. Let's, um, we're getting towards the end. So we know you've had a long day, but, uh, one of my favorite things about your data is you can peel the onion on categories. I have a 16 year old daughter and I can vouch for the beauty and athleisure categories, but, uh, did you see those, um, kind of pop in any other categories up or down that you want to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, there is a correlation between um, performance and discounts, at least from a top line perspective. And so, yeah, we saw some strong performance in health and beauty, for sure. Um, we also saw it in consumer electronics, and we also saw it in actually general apparel and footwear as well. Believe it or not, particularly on the footwear side, we saw it because people are actually putting on shoes and sneakers again and getting out the, uh, you know, world again. Whereas I guess I can't live in my slippers or flip-flops anymore. Actually, when we looked at the data by actual product, uh, we saw flip-flops actually had some of the largest decline um, that we saw year over year. Uh, because again, people are getting out in the world again. Mm -hmm. The good news is too, by the way, Again, to plug uh, the Shopping Insights HQ, you can slice and dice by, I think it's at least nine, if not about 12 categories and see what it looks like for orders and sales and the like, along with traffic as well. Cool. Um, I did notice, uh, so I, I've been playing with the dashboard a lot. And side note, as, as you know, my pandemic hobby is I learned Tableau. So it's super exciting for me that you, you, uh, are publishing the data in Tableau. Uh, it does seem like some categories popped that like had been underperforming for most of the pandemic. So like, you know, electronics had not been a very bright spot, but it does seem like they, they, they had a pretty decent weekend. Like, do you have a, am I seeing that data right? And, do you think like that that might mean they've turned the corner or do you think that that could be a, a, a holiday anomaly? It's hard to say because, again, discounts drove so much of the buying. There was such a correlation between discounts and sales. And so it's a little hard to say. And it's really interesting to understand, too, like some of the binge shopping that we all did over the pandemic and it subsided perhaps over the last six to 12 months. And then in gift buying times, you're seeing a pop again. So I, I wouldn't 
necessarily stake the claim on this is now what's going to happen for the next 12 months in terms of demand for these categories, uh, because a lot of it, again, is correlated to discounts. A lot of it is correlated to what people have pop over the la- purchased, excuse me, over the last couple of years. That's that's totally fair. Uh, so let's pivot to how they paid for it. You alluded earlier to uh, buy now, pay later traction. Like, uh, can you share what you saw in the data? And were there any other interesting trends in terms of payment methods? Yeah, totally. This was kind of fun because we put it in there um, as we did each of the mornings early, 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 particularly those that are on the West Coast. Thank you to the team, by the way. Um, I should have done this at the beginning, but it's not just me. I have the fun part to have this conversation with you and speak to so many people about this, including a lot of retailers, not just today, but we have through the rest of the holiday season, we have a way to go. But it's made possible through the team that brings these data and insights to life. And the reason I say that is we are crawling through the data one morning and we got the normal, like what the sales look like, what does traffic look like, what are the hot categories, biggest discounts. And then Kayla Schwartz on my team, um, who really is the master behind the shopping index, was like, this is super interesting around buy now, pay later because of the divergence between orders for buy now, pay later, and the average order value. And what I mean by that is specifically, we saw um, a 5%, this is throughout the course of Cyber Week um, in the US in particular, where we saw an increase of 5% year over year of orders with buy now, pay later. And by the way, this is after a couple of years of really nice growth. So 5% based on the base is really, we consider noticeable. However, on the other side, we saw the average order value for these same transactions decrease by 5%. So it's indicating to us that, again, you know this better than anyone, buy now, pay later really was hatched as a finance option for bigger ticket items, home appliances, television, couches, and other home furniture But what we're seeing is a turning of the corner because of the ubiquity and ease. And also, I think the desire to finance and spread payments over the course of a given time period, rather just at once for lower price for less expensive goods and gifts compared to 2021. Yeah, uh, I will say. Um, you know, a lot of the retailers that are like looking at the economic snapshot for next year and are really concerned about, um, the consumer's discretionary dollar, they're, they're kind of concerned about this, you know, um, acceleration of, of buy now pay later and other credit means as kind of a, a, an early indicator that the consumer might be overextending themselves. Yeah. I mean, we don't look at that very closely, but it is fairly intuitive to see it that way that uh, people are leaning on uh, newer creative finance options over the holiday. And what does that mean for the subsequent quarters? We'll be keeping an eye on that really closely for sure. Uh, yeah, so we are coming up on time, Rob. Uh, there's one other topic um, I just wanted to touch on with you. You know, uh, you you alluded to capacity concerns um, in past holidays. And of course, you know, we've talked a lot on the show about Shipageddon. Um I'm kind of worried about a new thing this year uh, with the mo- with this really prevalent version of discount chicken. If a bunch of consumers are thinking they're going to wait till the very last minute to get the best discount, 
we we have all the usual things in place. We have like a fragile inventory that might start running out. Um, but we also this year have lower labor levels. Like stores tried to hire less people and they weren't able to hire all the people they tried to hire. UPS and FedEx didn't get all the people they want. So I'm a little worried if consumers wait too long um, that that we you know might have another ship again situation on our hands where there just isn't enough labor capacity to get all these orders out the last week of the year. Yeah, that's a super interesting point. One that I haven't dove into very deep, but I'm with you, Jason. That's going to potentially be an issue. I mean, I'm a sample size of one, but I see it anytime I shop or any restaurant I go in, they're not taking reservations or they're not limiting reservations based on tables. They're, uh, you know, basically limiting it because of wait staff. And so that's true too in the physical store when the associate is being asked to do so many things now, right? It's not just about scanning and bagging at the cash wrap. It's, you know, they're becoming social media managers, they're fulfillment experts, they're live streamers. So you're stretching them thin, <laughs> capacity gets issued. By the way, the other interesting thing that we didn't even touch upon was returns. We saw such an increase of returns heading into Cyber Week than we ever have. And our thesis is that people who bought product earlier in the season saw the better discounts and were doing price adjustments in way of returning a product and then buying it back at the cheaper price. So there may be earlier returns that are playing in. Usually that's not a storyline that we talk about until, you know, January at NRF, right? But now it's actually happening more. So add that to your litany of things that will create capacity issues. Oh my gosh. No, uh, for sure. And, you know, it's already a distant memory, but with all those early sales that people tried to do, one of the things that may have gone unnoticed is a lot of retailers also extended the return window because the fear was we'll never get people to holiday shop early if they don't think that gift recipients will be allowed to return the gifts. So a bunch of these sales are on more liberal return policies than ever before. And again, you know, the economists are like, come January, we could be in stagflation and, you know, we don't know what returns might even look like in that kind of economic environment. So it's, it's a concern for sure. Um, and that, on that happy note, Rob, uh, <laughs> we, we've used up our allotted time. Um, uh, because on top of everything else, during this show, I've received about a thousand emails from the Salesforce Marketing Cloud with even better deals than Cyber Monday. So I'm going to have to uh, to uh, go a little early so that I can uh, get some more shopping in. Go for it. Please do. Shop on, of course, Salesforce uh, Commerce Cloud websites, if you may. Uh, I didn't know there were other kinds, um, but uh, in all seriousness, Rob, it's always a pleasure uh, to talk to you about anything and for sure uh, uh, to talk about the the holiday sales. Uh, loyal listeners will know the number one piece of feedback we get is they'd like to hear more from Kayla and from Michelle. Um, and I have to keep telling them that you always insist on coming. <laughs> hey, that will happen. They are amazing. I, I got to say, though, before we go, Jason, Scott, first of all, as I mentioned before, I love doing this. Like, seriously, this is a highlight. It's our Super Bowl or, uh, dare I say, World Cup, given where we are right now. Go U.S. Um, but, um, you know, more than anything, I just really appreciate your friendship. It's so amazing to have friends like you in the retail industry and the amazing community we have. And I also love how humble you are in terms of you asking me these questions. But the reality is you're so on top of what's happening now and in the future and I really value that. So a big thank you all around. 
boom. And you just secured yourself a fifth spot. There you go. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> uh, Rob, thanks for joining us on uh, Twitter. You are retail Rob Garf. Uh, you're very active on LinkedIn. I've noticed we will put a link to the hub uh, of activity in the show notes. Um, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to the Jason and Scott show for all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing. Subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 